Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard here. On the latest BYU Sports Nation, we recap BYU's men's hoops Big 12 opening loss in Cincinnati with Jimmer Fredette. On the next episode, we'll discuss if a win on the road against a ranked Baylor team would make up for the loss to Cincinnati. Mm. Listen on demand, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, or tune in live at noon Eastern for BYUSN. Always here on. I know the answer to this question. It's BYU Radio. Big one at Baylor tomorrow. Next on BYUSN, men's hoops lose the season. Uh, Big 12 opener against Cincinnati despite an incredible performance from Trevanel. Was it a one-off or a sign of things to come? Jim Fredette helps us break it down and discusses how the Cougars rebound tomorrow against Baylor. BYU football wins a massive in-state recruiting battle and lands a four-star safety. Plus, Trevor Maddich joins us to give us his thoughts on the new offensive line coach and who he thinks will win tonight's national title game. Is it the team he beat in 84 or the team BYU beat in 85? Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Monday, January 8th on this National Championship Monday. I am Jeremy Jordan. He is, like all of us, a huge fan of Puka Nakua. Jason Shepard. Yeah, like who? Who isn't outside of maybe Niners fans? <laughs> but I think they might even be. They, they might, look, what he has done. Big Twelve legend Puka Nakua. I love that. By the way, I love the fact when I saw that uh, tweet or X or whatever we call them post yesterday from the Big Twelve, I loved it. It it's just a brought a, it just brought a smile to my face. Yeah. To think about this, in the entire history. Of the National Football League, as historic as it is, the receiver with the most receptions and yards as a rookie played football at BYU. How awesome is that? The guy before him was Bill Groman or something. He did it in like 14 games. Yeah. Puka and the gang in the modern era, you get 17 now. So that certainly helps. Yes. But he did it. He's number one. He's at the top of the list. And uh, it almost makes me wonder if Puka should have got the ball more at BYU. Because <laughs> this guy has been unbelievable. When he was healthy, he was such a weapon. And uh, he could not be a more likable guy. Yes. Not only his story, but who he is. So congrats to Puka. Uh, hard to watch my Seahawks not make the playoffs yesterday. <laughs> but Puka sets the record. The, the Chiefs uh, are going to host a first-round game on Peacock. Yes. Hope, hope you have Peacock. I, I don't. You will on? I will. Is it Saturday? Uh, Saturday night, Saturday, yes. Yeah. Hey, Tyreek Hill making his return to Arrowhead. Right. So that's the storyline. You're watching the Bills-Dolphins game um, actually, with interest. Yes, actually, time. I will uh, – well, no, I will be done calling the women's basketball game. So, yeah, so I will be at home yeah, watching the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I will I'm have to – the Jazz game for the opponent. Of, of course, because you hate the Jazz. I it's fine. I hate the Jazz. You do. Yeah. That's why you never work for them. You always work for the opposite. Technically, the Jazz pay me, so <laughs> it's all good. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Grinning. Night. We tip off a new era of BYU basketball. The Cougars' first ever Big 12 conference game. Clean block by Atiki. Tough finish there from Skillings. And he hits it! This is unbelievable from Trevin Nell! Your final score is Cincinnati 71 and BYU 60. Cougars fall in their Big 12 opener. Aziz Bandego. <sighs> UVU announced Cincinnati. Yeah. What's up with that, man? Uh, men's Hoops loses the Big 12 opener against Cincinnati, as you heard, 71-60. It's the Trevin Nell show. Nine threes tied for second most in BYU history, 27 points, both career highs. Not much from the rest of the gang, so I ask you this, Chip. Uh, was this a, a one-off performance from BYU, or now the BYU's in Big 12 play, a sign of things to come? Well, obviously, there, there's no way to know yet if it's a sign of things to come. Based off of the season so far... 
it, it's a one-off. And th- we saw things in that game that we haven't seen happen to BYU this entire year. Yeah. It very much was an anomaly of what we've seen in this season for, for this team. And, in, and I'm really just talking about the fact that when was the last time as a team BYU shot the ball so poorly? I mean, we, we, obviously what Trevin did was just remarkable. He was on fire, and to have the nine threes and play as well as he did, he was the reason why BYU had the lead at halftime. But we, we've not seen any other game where BYU shot the ball as poorly as they did. I mean, you look at the, the shooting numbers for the guys coming in and then see what they shot in that game. Unfortunately, it just happened all in the same game. I don't expect that to continue to happen, no. How much of that is Cincinnati playing better defense? You're, you're playing a better opponent? This is, this is tough. You look at the second half shooting specifically from everyone not named Trevenell, and uh, Down Hall scored seven points. And those are second half numbers specifically. Really tough shooting from everybody not named Trevenell from three specifically. Four of 32. Four of 32? Like, if you told me they all shot left-handed, maybe I'd believe you. <laughs> but, like, this team's too good. We've had too many good performances from too many guys yeah. to think that this is going to happen on the reg. That's not going to happen on the reg. Could BYU shoot 28% from three again? Yes. Are they going to have a 4 of 32 performance from everybody but the top shooter? No. I do not believe that, despite the quality, of course, that the Big 12 brings and the better defenses, longer, better athletes who are pressuring you on the perimeter. You're not able to get to the rim in the same way and create a little bit more. BYU only makes eight twos. The live by the uh, three, die by the three thing is only if you're not getting two-pointers. Like, BYU is top three in how many threes they take against all the other shots and how many amount of three-pointers they rely on for all the points. BYU's second and third in those categories. This was a tough showing. Part of BYU's excellence, and Chris Kozlowski made this great point, is that BYU rebounds well. She said more than three-point shooting, it's about rebounding for BYU. BYU got out-rebounded in the second half significantly, and they were minus 18 in the second half part of this. There are going to be teams with a little more size, and when Foose gets healthy, he really helps with that. It was good to have Foose back. Yeah. Didn't have a huge impact on the game. Limited still, not 100% quite yet. But once he gets healthy, BYU needs to continue to rebound the ball like they have been. They walked in as the number one rebounding margin team in the country, Chef. Number two is Cincinnati. Yeah. Cincinnati took it to BYU in that regard. And the, the real disappointment in this game holistically is that this was one of the more winnable Big 12 games you have. Let's just look at home games. Win percentage chance as of this morning from Ken Palm of home games left. Oklahoma State and UCF are at 91%. Those are your most winnable home games. Kansas State, 86%. The next most winnable game walking into the game was Cincinnati. That was one that you needed. One where you were like, okay. And I was hoping for 6-3 and three at home. Cincinnati's one of those six. It's like, oh. Now you kind of have to chase that that makeup win if you are going to be like a 10 and 8, 9 and 9 ish. So here's the thing though. In the Big 12, it, when I see the schedule and I'm just looking at home games on that graphic, it just screams opportunity. Yep. Every game is a quad one or two opportunity. You, BYU can make up, and we'll discuss this more undoubtedly tomorrow. BYU can make up this loss with a win on the road against someone good. And Baylor is next up tomorrow night. Like, you cannot just like. Well, sweet, you have Pacific coming up. At, uh, nope, 
it's Baylor. Yeah. You're in a big-time league. We know this. Um, certainly, you, you, you hope that was a one-off. We've seen too, we've seen too much. Well, the, the competition, paper tech. No, we've seen BYU against San Diego State, against Arizona State, and NC State perform well against quality. Well, and the, the other part- at Utah was 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 a little different. Yes, um, BYU didn't make enough threes. Yeah. They didn't have an inside presence at all. Now you have Foose. You're going to get that back. I just I'm with you. I don't believe that that was a massive sign of things to come. And this team is going to just tank. No, this team's good. This team's going to make the tourney yes. still. Are they going to be like a four or five seed? I don't know. I need to see halfway through Big 12 play to really have a sense. With the exception of some of the shots towards the end of the second half that, that, were, that did seem to be forced. And you're, I, you're down eight or yeah, nine, yes. and you've got to make Yes, I, I totally understand some of those shots. But more times than not, I felt like BYU was getting the shot they wanted. They just weren't hitting them. And that's, again, when you look at the way this team was shooting coming into it as a team, and then the individual shooting percentages of the players, I, I just, it just unfortunately happened in the same game. And we, you're not used to seeing that. And, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a missed opportunity. But I just don't expect that to continue because of the body of work that we've seen from this team on offense. The, the other thing that beyond the, the poor shooting was this was a game where BYU had, had turned the ball over. And we hadn't seen that to this 18. point. Yeah. Because they Through came, 19. They came in averaging just shy of nine, so single digits. So yeah, yeah. They, they doubled the turnovers. And, and quite frankly, both teams, both Cincinnati and BYU, yeah. were very good at not turning the basketball over. BYU turned the ball over, and that, that was another layer as to why things didn't go well for BYU on Saturday night. But look, I, I don't think this is something that's going to be a problem moving forward. You're not going to have that type of shooting performance Honestly, you may not see that again the rest of the year. I'm not I, saying I don't think we will. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just from a that only crazy one dude, of a night. Yes, I I believe BYU will shoot 28 percent from three at some point again. Yeah, it happens, but I don't believe that only one guy right will go 40 percent plus. Yeah. I I don't believe BYU has too many good shooters on this team. I I did have a uh, you know concern and, and question about Trevin Nell sitting for 550 game minutes when he was on fire. I um. You know, it was explained that, hey, we wanted to maintain some defensive rotation integrity uh, from Mark Pope when asked about that. just feels like maybe he c- could have come back in a little sooner, perhaps. Um, BYU was down one when uh, he was out, and then, uh, you know, when he came back in, they were down eight. So um, that was – I thought maybe he could have come back a little sooner. You know, that, that coach's decisions, whatnot. You live and you learn, you move on. Um, but no one else really did anything during the time when he was out. So uh, we're going to have Jim Fredette on the next segment, ask him about what he saw with that, with Trevin Nell with this game. Is it a one-off? Is it not? Uh, that's all coming up a bit later. But, uh, yeah, BYU goes down in the Big 12 opener. Only dropped two spots in net, drops five spots in Ken Palm, two spots in BPI. Not a huge blow to BYU in the metrics per se, but now certainly you gotta got to show up. You're playing at Baylor. You're playing at UCF. BYU has to get at least the UCF win this week, by the way. Yeah. You've got to go win that game um, because UCF looks like uh, one of the more winnable games in the league. But, again, it's not an easy game. No. It's not an easy game at all. So uh, you've got to have a good week, and uh, perhaps BYU pulls off the upset tomorrow night, and boom, 2-1, yeah. and one, which is what we're hoping for well, anyway. Look, how many times did we say going into the conference play, there's not going to be any bad losses in the Big 12? And, and, and you look at it, where BYU fell yep. in Kimpom from 4-9. Yep. to nine. BPI down two. Net, you went from two to four. Yep. Is, is, as frustrating of a loss as it was, 
the metrics did not bash you for it. Yes, and right now, UCF is barely quad two. Uh, West Virginia at the moment on the road uh, would be quad two as well. Oklahoma, you know, at home right now, that would be quad three. Quad three is a bad loss by the committing metrics. Three and four, you don't want those losses. So we'll see what BYU does, and uh, they get back on the horse uh, tomorrow night at Baylor. There we go. Head, heading out today. They're, head, they're heading out today. Busy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, by the way, you, you've seen the pictures of the new, was it Foster Pavilion that yeah. they're playing at? Yeah, $212 million. That looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, what, 7,500 people? A little, little, little smaller. By BYU accounts, everybody else's gym is <laughs> smaller. But that, that place looks awesome. I can't wait it to lo- see what it looks like it on looks TV. It looks cool. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be awesome. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about BYU football. The, uh, the 2024 recruiting class got a nice boost oh my over the weekend when four-star safety Falatau Satuala, and I hope I said that correctly, uh, committed to the Cougars on national television, yeah. which is always fun when you get those national TV commits, and then signed with BYU. How big of a deal is this signing, do you think? It's big time. Uh, always big to get a four-star. I really like his skill set. He's a taller uh, safety reminds me of Alani Fua physically and with his ability, and I, I'm a big Alani Fua fan. Really excited about. It. He played a lot of linebacker in high school. He's going to be a, uh, some safety. They gave him the ball on kick returns, punt returns, receiver. Uh, he is a playmaker. So I'm I'm excited about this, and uh, the fact that he picks BYU over the likes of some really notable Power Five teams, yeah. including of course the rival and whatnot, is big time. He's going to come in and play right away. Heavily recruited. Bountiful Red Hawk, Brady Christensen, Max Tooley, and others. Um, safety, of course, needed some depth this year. Hopefully you don't need next year. But uh, big time. He helps the recruiting class. He's another Polynesian kid that BYU's gotten from a local school. I think that's really positive. And Jay Hill and that crew continue yeah. to recruit really well. Really nice defensive class especially. But BYU didn't sign a lot of offensive guys. Like those guys too. But I'm excited about it because he could play into the two deep at safety this year. Yeah, and I like what... BYU's secondary in general has, has, has got a lot of athletes. And we've seen, especially at the corner position, I know he's a safety, but at the corner position, you know, last year BYU had really good cornerback play. And, and you're starting to see where you know, BYU is able to go out and get some of these really good athletes for the secondary. And certainly this young man fits the bill. And I, like you, I love the fact that BYU got him over Utah. Um, They've done that uh, quite a bit in this, uh, yes, this, this signing class. This signing Some class there has been there. far yeah. more than what we've seen in the past where guys, when you're going head-to-head, blue versus red, and, and the blue sides win in a couple of these. And, We've ignored this conversation yeah. because BYU's been on because the losing end sometimes. It. Also, number two in the state um, overall. Yeah, I, you I, want that. Yes. You want the best thing. And whether state. or not you firmly believe in the star system or give it any credence whatsoever – when you can say that you landed a four-star athlete, that's still a big deal. The, the, normal, the general public that doesn't follow it, they, they know what that means. They know that is a very good football player that you just signed. And so I, I like it. It's one of those ones where it's, you know, it, it's not bad that BYU landed a four-star recruit on national television. Uh, no, always good. Yes. Always good. It's a Mailbag Monday, uh, if you're from Minnesota. Mailbag, uh, where you ask the questions and we answer them on the show at CJ Real Hoops one on X. Continue to weigh in, by the way. What's the worst record BYU Hoops can achieve in Big 12 play and still make the NCAA tournament? What do you think? The worst? Last year it was 7-11 with West Virginia. 
Different, different league a little bit. You've added a couple of teams. I don't know. I mean, we were talking about if they could go nine and nine, maybe, maybe eight, maybe eight as w- the worst and still make it. Probably that's kind of what I'm. Maybe I'm. I'm thinking eight. Maybe eight. eight you're in. Eight. You're in. Uh, I'm wondering if it's seven. Mm. I don't know, uh, uh, and it's hard to know because it's not just about that many wins. It's about the whole resume yeah. of everybody. Mm-hmm. But certainly, if you and what happened to West Virginia last year, by the way, is they started slow and then they had a ton of good wins. Like, but what are your hot. wins and what are your losses? Yes, because not every win and every loss is equal. Well, they're more equal in this league than they were in the last <laughs> right. league. I'll, no, I'll that, give is you that. A, that point is one hundred percent accurate. A hundred percent accurate. But you know what I'm saying? Uh, yes. Like, like there are like wins. Beating Houston at home yes. is uh, a different kind of quad one. If, well, if look, you well, can let's, let's be out. honest. If you can, out of these first two games, Cincinnati and Baylor, you and I were having this discussion earlier yeah. today. I'd rather beat Baylor. It, yeah, what's going to be a bigger win? Cincinnati. Is it going to be beating yeah. Cincinnati at home or beating if Baylor you, in Waco? If you have to lose one, I'm okay losing Cincinnati. As long as you're beating Baylor. Which, by the way, yeah. is a quad one loss because BYU is so high in net that they launched Cincinnati <laughs> from 37 into yeah. the top 30. I think yeah. 25. You're welcome. <laughs> Did that with Utah, too. <laughs> BYU is so generous. Continue to weigh on and on uh, X or Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. All right, BYU basketball returns to action tomorrow night at Baylor, and you can listen to the game starting with pregame coverage. Ben Bagley on Cougar Pregame Live at 8 Eastern on BYU Radio. Yeah, you're in Houston. I'll be in Houston, so they'll just be up the road. Yes, they will. Kind of. Okay, coming up after the break, we'll chat with Jimmer Fredette about the Cincinnati game and a big one at Baylor tomorrow night. Before we go to break, an early rise and shout-out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. We are sad to report that longtime BYU women's gymnastics coach Brad Cattermole passed away on Thursday. Cattermole competed for the men's team in the 70s, leading the women's program for 28 years with his wife Dawn, producing numerous All-Americans and national team members, affecting the lives of thousands of gymnasts. He was 71. We're not talking about him as a player. He's he's more analyst role today. Jimmer Fredette joins the program from Denver. Jimmer, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you guys doing? It's it's snowing pretty well here today. So I know you guys got smashed the other day. Yeah, we got it uh, over the weekend. Not so much now, but Saturday night certainly. Uh, it, it, BYU didn't get smashed, but it was it was a tough night in the Marriott Center to one lose and two. Kind of the last couple of minutes got away from BYU. Certainly, Trevanell was unbelievable in this game, but there wasn't a ton more. What do you see in the first Big 12 game ever for BYU men's basketball? Yeah, you know, obviously a lot of emotion. Um, you know, BYU and, and The Rock was, was going crazy. They were excited. They've been building up to this moment for the last two years, knowing that this was going to happen. So I think everybody was on edge, ready for this to go. And uh, sometimes that happens. You have a little too much adrenaline in the beginning. Your shots go, go a little bit long. It feels a little bit different than your normal games that you've played in so far. Uh, a little bit more hectic, and that's just kind of how it goes. And then you try to settle down into it and, and go. But Cincinnati did a great job of just slowing the game down, I thought. Um, and we it's such an interesting thing because in the Big 12, most teams are pretty run and gun, kind of like BYU is. But I feel like Cincinnati is the most contrasting style that BYU will play against. They like to slow it down. They're just a, a gritty team that's going to play hard defense and want to score in the 60s, 70s like it was. So they, they controlled the tempo, I thought. And, uh, you know, it was, was a tough game, but there's no reason to necessarily panic as a BYU fan or as a team at this point. 
Jimmer, uh, BYU shot 46 threes, and I'm going to assume that to, to your ears that just sounds amazing to be able to shoot 46 <laughs> threes in a game. Look, it, the way I look at it is I know a lot of people, if, every team wants balance. You want to have a little bit of balance, but this team is built to, to play like this. They're built to shoot like this. The shots just didn't fall. Any concern on the live by the three, die by the three situation that we're seeing right now? There, I mean, there's always a little bit of a concern because if you aren't making them, obviously it's going to be difficult to win basketball games, especially in the Big 12. But that's like you said, that's the way they're built. They have a lot of guys that can catch and shoot the basketball. Um, but the thing that I'm most concerned about is that not all of those threes were quality threes, right? Not every three is quit created equally. They're getting a lot of threes up, and the best threes that they get normally are in transition. So if they can get a stop, get out and transition, find Trevin, find Noah, find, find Jackson, some of those guys in the corners or running the wings. They're getting really good shots. They're moving the ball. I saw a couple of great possessions in the transition where they're passing it. Then there's a swing, swing into a wide open shot. That's when they're at their most advantage. Uh, but towards the end, you know, Cincinnati did a good job slowing it down, making shots, getting fouled a lot, making uh, BYU play in a half court. And then at that point, we have to find a guy that can generate good threes if that's what we want to do. Not necessarily just shooting it, but being able to create for other people. And I felt like we didn't get great threes towards the end of the game. We were kind of just shooting them up. And because of that, I felt like we were shooting a lower percentage. Yeah, and that happens, right? It's like in football, if uh, you know, if the quarterback threw 40-plus passes, it probably means you were trailing by two scores late and you're chucking it. BYU ends up chucking it late there. BYU third nationally in the amount of, uh, you know, the percentage of threes against all shots, second nationally in the amount of points from threes. BYU seems to get to the rim and has good uh, cutting with five out with Ali Khalifa and whatnot. And it seems like sometimes they get to the rim to draw that defender for a three. Does BYU need to consider maybe going up on that shot at the rim a little more? Or was this one game and we shouldn't panic? I think it's a little bit of both. We shouldn't panic, obviously, like I said in the beginning. Um, You know, this is a winnable game in the Big 12. There's not going to be many games that you play that's easier than this, per se, which is, you know, the testament to how good the Big 12 is. But at the same time, I think we need to try to get to the rim, try to finish. But also, sometimes, you know, those guys are lengthy, they're athletic, hard to finish, maybe create a little bit more fouls. I thought the discrepancy in the foul count being 24 to 10, I believe it was, towards Cincinnati was a huge deal, right? They were able to make a ton more free throws. I think they made 19 out of 24 or something around those where we made 5 out of 10. I mean, that's 15 more points that they had from the free throw line. So if we can generate some more free throws, be able to get to the line, obviously we're not shooting amazing from the free throw line, uh, but I think we have capable free, uh, free throw shooters that if they get to the line, get into the rhythm, that they can make those. So I think that's something that we need to focus on, maybe drawing a little bit more contact, getting some more fouls. Um, and then that's going to create guys being able to help. We can kick out for more open threes. Um, but, yeah, getting to the rim, getting fouled is something that you can do, especially when you're not shooting the ball great. I know overall it was an off night for a lot of guys. One of those guys was certainly not Trevin Nell. What did you make of his performance? The nine threes and, and, and Jimmer, it looked effortless. He, he was so locked in. Oh, yeah, he was locked in. And uh, you know how uh, that feels once that ball goes in. You get two, three in a row, and you're just like, all right, this is, this is going to be my night. But yeah, we same, have no idea. The thing about it is like, like come on. You know, we have no idea. <laughs> Jeremiah, you did it the other day. You did it the other day at the gym. I, know I did, I did, I did um, like once so, in a blue moon. <laughs> yeah no but when you're locked in like that not only are your shots going in but i believe a lot of times you make the right play so 
you know, in, in, in that case, I feel like we need to try to get that ball to Trevin as much as we could, because not only could he shoot the ball, but if he was getting to the basket, he would make the right play and guys would over help. And then he could get it to the right people to get over um, open, easier shots. And sometimes that's the, the way that teams play, especially when you're shooting the ball so well to be able to get the ball and then be creative. You're aggressive. You're kind of in a zone and the, the right play finds you when you're in that type of rhythm. Um, so yeah, he, uh, for him to be able to get the ball more probably should have happened down the stretch. Um, you know, but he, he was out for a long period of time. I think it cooled him off a little bit. Um, but at the same time, you know, I feel like we needed to, to try to feed him the ball as much as we could. Cause it was, it was effortless last night for him. Yeah, he sat out for 5.50 game time. It felt like maybe he comes in a little sooner than that. Maybe he knocks down a three. Once he hit nine, which is tied for the most you made in the game, right? Um, it felt like with, yeah. there were like 10 minutes left. I thought the record was going down. Unfortunately, he doesn't uh, you yeah. know, uh, get in and make another one there. But what, how's, do you think this year that record goes down? We've seen Jackson Robinson with eight, Trevin with nine. Do you think at some point, I guess we're in Big 12 play, uh, but it happened Saturday, that someone makes 10 or 11 in a game? I mean, it's definitely possible with how many uh, threes that they shoot and the guys that are such good shooters. Um, it's, it's possible that it could happen. Um, you know, that record's going to be broken at some point, whether it's next, this year, next year, the year after, whatever it is. I mean, with the amount of threes that, that this team is shooting, it's, it's going to happen. So, But just to go back to the Trevin point, I mean, you know, he was out for, for five minutes, and I get coach. He was, um, you know, he said he had a good match. He wanted these matchups and, you know, felt like this was the, the right play at the right time. So I, I get it, and, uh, you know, that's what coach coach wants to do. At the same time, uh, if that was the case, then I would have tried to get Jackson Robinson going at that point. Right. He only had seven shot attempts, I think, during that game's two for seven. And I I said this before, you know, earlier when I was in studio before that sometimes when you're coming off the bench, you don't get the shot attempts that you would if you're in the starting lineup. So I feel like when Trevin was out of the game, Jackson was a guy that could have gotten going. We just didn't know if he had it that night or not because he didn't shoot the ball very much. So he needed to try to get him, I think, more involved. If Trevin is out, make him the playmaker, make him the shooter and scorer, see how that goes and then continue to get Trevin back in once once he tries that out. So it was it was definitely something that I was looking at. Up next, BYU heads to Waco, and, and it'll, it'll be a, a completely different style of team than what BYU faced against the Bearcats. What, what are you looking for for BYU to do in order to try and bounce back against uh, against the Bears on uh, on Tuesday night? Yeah, for BYU, it's short-term memory loss. That's what my brother used to always tell me every time I shot a shot. If I made it or missed it, it didn't matter. The next one was going in, right? So this is the same thing in this situation. You know, you learn from your mistakes, but it's over with, right? There's nothing you can do about it. So now you go on to the next opponent, which is a, obviously a really great opponent in Baylor, uh, but it's a similar style of play. They're going to be more run and gun. I think they're averaging 88 points per game and they're first in three-point percentage uh, in the country, I believe, yep. which is incredible. Obviously, they're shooting the basketball extremely well. That's something that BYU likes to do. So it's going to be a battle of three-point shots. Whoever's making them, whoever's generating good three-point shots and making those high percentage is probably going to win this game. If BYU upsets Baylor on the road, does that make up for the Cincinnati loss? I wouldn't say it makes up for it, but it definitely helps, right? Uh, you know, like I said, the Cincinnati at home, that's a, that's a winnable game. That's a game that, you know, you would look at the schedule and be like, all right, this is the one that we, we need to win. Um, but at the same time, once you go into Baylor and if you beat Baylor, that's a, you know, a top 15 opponent. Uh, so because of that, you're going to be able to, you know, get the quad one win. It's going to be super important. But 
like I said, in the Big 12, you're going to take your lumps. You're, you're going to lose games. It's okay to lose games. You just have to be prepared, have that short-term member ask to come into the next game and be able to be prepared and have the right mindset to go win that game. Um, so it wouldn't completely erase it, but it would obviously help, and they can move on on a good note going to UCF. So, All right, Jimmer, uh, besides family home evening, of course, uh, will you be tuning into the national championship game tonight, and who you got? Oh, my goodness, yes, of course. I'm a, I'm a massive football fan, big college football fan. Um, so I'm, I'm locked in. I have a, a good friend actually from Colorado that, that plays on the Michigan football team. His name is Andrew Gentry. Uh, he's a good family friend of my wife's. So I'm probably going to be rolling with, with Michigan. Um, hopefully they can get a win, but obviously Michael Penix jr. Is incredible. He's been playing unbelievable and they're fast and they can throw and spread it out. So it's going to be contrasting styles. Um, I'm excited to see it, but I think, uh, I think Michigan's going to take it and, uh, their defense is going to just overpower a little bit and get to the quarterback and, uh, then run it out. So I think, uh, I think it's Michigan. Whoever wins, they're finally going to join BYU in having a not split national championship since, uh, you know, uh, in the last 40, 50 years. Um, Andrew Gentry, by the way, yeah. uh, the church did an article on him. He's single. He's in a bishopric in his singles ward. He's, yeah. Jim Harbaugh was asking him about yeah. that the other day. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Andrew repping uh, with Michigan, which is pretty cool. Jimmer, we appreciate the time. And I did want to ask you how often you dust off the Naismith over your left shoulder there. Oh yeah, uh, every day come in, squeak it, squeaky clean. You know what I mean? I got my, I got special, specific stuff to put on it. You know, so of course. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's it's hanging out there. I mean, my, it's, I'm lucky that it's still standing with my kids jumping on all of my stuff and <laughs> hanging on everything. So yeah, I'm trying to just salvage it and make sure it's not not broken at this point. So <laughs> well, I think you have the best zoom background of anyone. Yes, ever. that's amazing. Uh, it looks great. The lighting's amazing. Well done by Whitney and the, appreciate and that. We appreciate it, Jerry. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Jimmer. Yeah, thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Jimmer Fredette joining us, uh, breaking down BYU Cincinnati Baylor. He's, he's getting pretty good at this. Yeah. The analyst thing. Yeah. Well, look. The what can, can this guy do? Honestly, the guy, whatever he puts his mind to, he's going to do. That's and pretty awesome. the fact that we can just get Jimmer on a Monday morning, let's say, hey, let's talk, some, let's talk some college basketball. And Jimmer's like, sure, let's do it. That's how we roll. That's how we Jim, roll. Jimmer's one of the homies. All right, BYU basketball with Mark Pope is on Wednesday this week, so a date change as the head coach of the Cougars will recap the Cougars' first week of Big 12 play. Wednesday, 8.30 Eastern time on the BYU TV app as well as on ESPN+. Which Cougars in the NFL are headed to the playoffs in the NFL? And uh, men's volleyball took care of business over the weekend. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to Studio B. I'm Jeremy. He's Jason. Let's get to today's headlines. All right, number 12, BYU basketball drops the Big 12 opener against Cincinnati on Saturday night, losing 71-60 to fall to 12-2 on the season and 0-1 in Big 12 play. Trevin Nell provided the lone spark offensively for the Cougars, scoring 27 points and making nine threes, which tied it for the second most in a game in BYU history. Up next, a road trip to Waco against Baylor coming up tomorrow night. Still waiting on the AP poll. I'm guessing BYU be 18. Women's basketball loses 80-75 to, to Iowa State. Fall to 0-3 in Big 12 play. BYU had an eight-point lead in the second half, five-point lead late in the game. Cougars were led by Kaylee Wilson's 18 points. Lauren Gustin's 70th career double-double, 14-14 and 14 for her. Next game at... Houston on Wednesday. Let's go get that first Big 12 win. 
Let's go. BYU football signs four-star safety Falatau Satuala from Bountiful High School to add to their 2024 recruiting class. Satuala picked BYU over Utah and UCLA and announced his commitment at the 2024 All-American Bowl. Love it. Cougars in the NFL. Puka Nakua, four catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown. The Rams in a 21-20 win over the Niners. He broke the NFL rookie receiving records for both yards and receptions in the win. Congratulations. That is big time. Kyle Van Noy, two tackles and a sack for the Ravens in a 17 loss to the Steelers. KVN had a career-high nine sacks despite playing in just 14 games. Remember, he was picked up late. Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams helped the Saints beat Tyler Algiers. Falcons 48-17. Hill had 79 yards of offense on 10 touches. Jamal had 14 carries for 26 yards. A controversial touchdown there at the end. Oh, we'll get to that in a minute. Algier had six carries for 24 yards and 10 receiving yards in the line. Staying with Cougars in the NFL, Kyrus Tonga had two tackles and a tackle for loss in the Vikings' 30-20 loss to the Detroit Lions. Zane Anderson had a tackle for the Packers in their 17-9 victory over the Chicago Bears. That and now, the with the NFL playoffs now officially set, seven yep. of the 14 playoff teams feature former Cougars, including Fred Warner on the Niners, Puka Nakua and the Rams, Andy Reid and my Chiefs, Kyle Van Oy and the Ravens, Sione Takitaki and the Browns, Chris Brooks and the Dolphins, as well as Zane Anderson and the Packers. Men's volleyball, number nine in the country, swept number 11 Ball State back-to-back -back nights on the first two matches of the year. Luke Benson, 23 kills across the two, mixed Ramana 16, Capone Brown 12. Benson had 17 kills alone on night one at 727, incredible. Up next for BYU, a trip to Loyola, Chicago, who just took down Hawaii in Hawaii on Thursday. BYU Gymnastics places fourth in the Mean Girls Invitational. Great, by the way, great name, by the way. In Las Vegas over the weekend with a score of 195.900. The Cougars' performance was highlighted by Sydney Benson and freshman Ava Jorgensen, who tied for the highest score on the vault with a 9.875. And Anissa Alvarado's 9.950 on the bars was good for second in the meet. Up next is the Sprouts Farmers Market Collegiate Quad at the Maverick Center on Saturday. Women's tennis has uh, 21 singles victories, including two from Bobo Huang in the Weinman Foundation Invitational in Hawaii. They also had 10 doubles. And the UFL draft was held over the weekend. Five former BYU players were selected. Diane Lake with the Houston Roughnecks, Troy Woiner with the Memphis Showboats, Kai and Samson Nakua with the Michigan Panthers, and Tomasi Lalile with the Arlington Renegades. That's the combination of the USFL and the XFL. Yes. And Kai and Samson, their rent just got cut in half. So well done for uh, those guys. <laughs> to wrap up today's headlines, let's look at the other men's hoops games around the Big 12 and men's basketball with this weekend, starting with number two, Kansas, uh, 83, TCU 20, uh, 81. Came down to the wire, yeah. controversial flagrant foul call there. Hunter Dickinson, 30 points in the win, including the game winner with three seconds left. All right, number three, Houston defeating West Virginia, and it wasn't even close. 89-55, the Cougars in red, picking up their first Big 12 win ever. Uh, battle has been on fire for the Mountaineers, but was held to just four points after 29-29 and 24 in the last three games. So he was held in check to say the least. Great defense. Number 11, Oklahoma beat Iowa State 71-63. All right, number 18, Baylor over Oklahoma State in overtime, 75-70. Obviously, the Cougars taking on the Bears tomorrow. Texas Tech went on the road and beat number 20, Texas, 78-67. Pop Isaacs led the Red Raiders. Game high, 21 points in the roadway. And K-State defeating fellow newcomer, US, USF, UCF, 77-52 Wildcats over the Knights. 
Those are the headlines. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. All right, Jeremy. Yesterday, the Saints were up 41-17 over the Falcons. They were going to win the game regardless. Return to pick uh, to the one-yard line with just a few seconds left. Instead of kneeling out the game like their coach told them to do, Jameis Winston and the Saints offense decided to get Jamal Williams his first rushing touchdown of the season. Falcons obviously were not happy. Uh, was this the right call as a BYU fan? <laughs> well, we like Jamal scoring. So as a BYU fan, sure. I am in the, ah, you should kneel that play. I understand it's the NFL football. Hey, stop us if you want to. But I am in the, ah, game's over, just kneel it. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. It's also pretty much lets you know how the Saints players feel about their head coach, Dennis Allen. Just he literally said, You're, you need to do this. And they said, we're going to go and do something else. Yep, that happened. After the break, ESPN's Trevor Maddich on the Cougar football offseason, the hiring of T.J. Woods, and who he's got in Michigan, Washington, for the Natty tonight. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Jerem Jordan alongside Jason Shepard. Loaded guest lineup today. Jimmer Fredette breaking down basketball. We now bring in, for the final Maddich Monday of this college football season, Trevor Maddich of ESPN, college football national champion with the BYU Cougars. Trevor, welcome back to the program on this national championship Monday. It's great to be back, guys. It's a culmination of a, of a long season that's had tremendous drama in every way. This game tonight between Michigan and Washington is going to be fantastic. It's going to be fun. We'll ask you about it in just a moment. Let's talk BYU first. Uh, your old position at BYU, the offensive line, has hired a new coach in T.J. Woods. What do you make of this hire, and what impact do you think he could have? I, I love this hire. I think this is as close to a home run hire as they could have made at that position. He, coach Woods has made every offensive line he's coached better. At Western Kentucky, the yards per carry went way up. The sacks went way down. At UNLV, he coached two consecutive 1,000-yard rushers, and his line was blocking for them. And it was two different guys, one Aiden Robbins, who then transferred to BYU. And at Wisconsin, he coached an offensive line in front of running back Melvin Gordon, who became one of the most storied statistical running backs in NCAA history. And so he, he's got the track record. The fruit is on the tree for improvement and immediate improvement. And part of the reason for that is that he's known as a technician. He teaches the techniques of how to play offensive line, the footwork, the hand placement, all those different things. What do you do when, when things go wrong and the defender gets the upper hand on you? How do you reset? How do you respond and adjust? These are things that he is known to excel at. And I think that's part of the reasons why you've had some key offensive linemen return to BYU this year instead of transferring out to be coached by this guy because I think he'll make these alignment not just better college players. He'll prepare them for the NFL in ways that, that are important. Trevor, BYU picked up a, a big four-star uh, recruit, a safety, over the weekend. So everyone's kind of talking about some of the recruiting stuff. And uh, according to uh, 24-7 Sports, BYU had the number seven or currently has the number seven recruiting class among all Big 12 teams. And we did double-check. That's including all of the new schools that are coming in this upcoming season. Now, what do you make of that? Seventh overall in the Big 12, is that good enough, do you think? Yeah, I think in the, in the first uh, after the first full season in the Big 12, I think it's fantastic. When you look at the trajectory of it, I mean, if you take a look at these teams in the Big 12 now, 
in last year's recruiting rankings, I think BYU would have been 12th. And so they, they moved up and they're still not fully ramped up with all the relationships that they will continue to develop in the big 12 footprint with high school coaches. So I, th I think it's terrific. And plus coach Satake has been very clear that his first priority with players is that they be a good fit for the program and the program be a good fit for them. That this has always been a, a team that has excelled when the the whole is more than the sum of the parts. And that's that is when players understand all of the things that make BYU a destination, not just NIL money, not just an opportunity to play right away. And so Coach Satake and his staff have been emphasizing that. And I think that the the recruiting ranking is great from a standpoint of what it was last year, how they've improved on it, how they will continue to improve on the ranking. But the kind of player that they're bringing in, I think, is even more important. To that end, is BYU sort of in the Kansas State, Iowa State space of we hope to be consistently good and occasionally we're going to have that one year like Kansas State had last year winning the Big 12? Or does BYU need to get the NIL money to attract certain kind of talent to get to the level where they are competing for Big 12 championships. Can they do it as is over the next couple of years, or do they need that money at some point to get to the next level? Oh, they need mo both. And w without the money, then they'll have a ceiling because they won't be able to get as many of the high-end talented players that they'll need to make plays, the playmakers. You need those guys to compete at the highest level. And because of the economic powerhouse that the I-15 corridor is, there, there's no reason in the world why that can't continue to grow. But I see that as something that is, is a synergy with the kind of player that they want to bring in. It's not just that, okay, well, we can only get that, that BYU kind of guy who's coachable and he's got that kind of moral character. If it were only that, they could be a competitive program. But by harnessing it also to the NIL potential of that corridor, I think that you've got a, a potential for BYU to have, once again, the synergy to give them edges in, in recruiting. And this year, they have beaten other Power 5 teams for a number of recruits, and that's something that used to be very, very rare. Well, the transfer portal is still alive and well, and uh, it's going to be around for the foreseeable future, to say the very least. Uh, is there a position or maybe positions that you would like to see BYU still address between now and the start of the season? Yeah, there, there are several that they could. One is running back since Aiden Robbins is announced for the NFL. L.J. Martin's terrific, but he was banged up last year. It would be good to have additional depth there. Hinkley Rapati uh, is coming off an injury, terrific running back, but I think, I think depth there to replace Robbins would be important. And they've got other guys, Miles Davis, by the way, I'm very excited to see because he's a former receiver. And if he's able to show the coaches that that he has maximized his potential at both running back and as a receiver, then from a personnel grouping standpoint, they've got some interesting things. But I would still bring in uh, some depth there. They always need more depth on the defensive line. Big guys who can run and who can rush the passers. So that also includes linebackers as well. But they, they, Tyler Batty coming back and others coming back uh, is, is a huge boon. But they need to take a big step up in depth at the defensive line. And then with Eddie Heckard moving on at uh, corner, their, their, their secondary actually has a chance to be very, very good again this year. But 
to replace Eddie Hecker with another cover guy, you can't have too many cover guys because it just gives you too many opportunities to do things up near the line of scrimmage if you've got individuals that can run with all four or five receivers that could come out uh, uh, could, could come out into the pass pattern. So these are some positions that I think that they could add depth and, if possible, add a guy that could be more than just depth. After last offseason, uh, a lot of BYU guys transferred. They brought, BYU brought a lot of guys in. Uh, it was about half the roster was turned over. This year, there's not that kind of turnover. There's more continuity going into this year. BYU's not gone to the portal a ton quite yet. Perhaps they will later. They've signed a big class, many of which are, you know, are, some are going on missions, but a lot will actually come in and, and compete right away. What do you make of sort of the roster makeup going into year two of the Big 12? I like it. I like that they have brought in some key transfers, but at the same time, a place like BYU is a place that people tend to want to stay. I mean, they, that last year they had a bunch of guys transfer out. Part of the reason was playing time. There were other reasons in terms of fit. But overall, if the fit is right, I think people will tend to stay at BYU. And then developing a program where you've got guys in the program for three, four years, five years even, is another thing that would be an advantage for BYU. And I think the fact that they had very few guys transfer out this year, certainly very few key contributors, uh, is an indication that those guys see that BYU is a place that they want to be and they want to make a home for their college football life and their their academic life. And so I like it that it's primarily high school recruits with some key junior college transfers, some key transfer portal guys. But over the course of time, if they're able to maintain that, it will mean they'll be able to field more experienced players who have played together under this staff longer. Trevor, the the decline of bowl games has been pretty evident over the last couple of years. And now with the transfer portal, you know, you, you had always in the last couple of years, you'd have guys that would – I mean, if they're going to go to the NFL, you know, they're, they're not going to, they don't want to play and they're going to sit out. With the transfer portal, you're seeing even more and more guys that are not participating in teams' bowl games. Is, is there any way to salvage what bowl games used to mean if you're something that's not, if you're outside of the college football playoff? Or is, that, is this just the new reality? It's the new reality, Jason, because the calendar has conspired to force guys into the portal maybe sooner than they would want to go. I mean, if you wait too long because you want to play with a bowl game, especially the bowl games that are later in December, then you enter the portal, you'd have to find a new home, which a lot of guys don't even find a new home. And then you've got to somehow get enrolled in some of these places in, in early January. And that enrollment for the next semester is the thing that kind of squeezes them on the back end. Plus, we know that there are a lot of players that are still in the portal that entered it last year. They never did find a home. And so what you don't want to do is we have a bowl game at the end of December and a bunch of other guys in my position just entered the transfer portal weeks before I'm going to if I play in the bowl game. And maybe they'll fill up the slots at schools that I might want to go to. Now, there are some guys this year that, that played in their bowl even though they were in the transfer portal, but that's kind of a rarity. So I, I don't blame the players for doing that. I don't think they disrespect the bowls for doing that. I think the calendar forces them to. But from a fan standpoint, you don't get to see some of the players that you saw play all year for your team. But what you are getting to see is next year's players come in and get an early look at them, and they will have a chance to get valuable experience for next year. So there's bad, but there's also good. It just depends on your perspective. Okay, Michigan and Washington tonight in the national championship. Who you got and why?
this is a tough call, Jeremy. It's, it's a really tough call. Uh, and uh, who I have is Michigan. I have them to win. And I have, the why is that they've got more ways to win. This is really a, a matter of styles where there's there's always this this hypothetical talk of a of a boxing match between Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali in their prime. You know, Michigan is Mike Tyson, where he, they just march right up to you and start punching you in the face until you submit. Washington is like Ali, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, this beautiful downfield passing attack. But that downfield passing attack is the way they need to win. Michigan will run the ball better. Michigan will play better defense. Washington's defense has been bend but break sometimes, don't break other times, stop drives because of takeaways and forcing mistakes. But Michigan is one of the most clean-playing offenses in college football in terms of fewest fewest uh, turnovers, fewest penalties, things like that. I don't know that Washington will be able to force as much against the Michigan offense as they have in the past against other offenses. And so Michigan will be able to run the ball. They'll be able to stop the run. That core, I think, will be enough for Michigan to pull away late. Plus, Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback for Washington, was just lights out against Texas, especially under pressure. I mean, Texas didn't sack him, but they had 16 pressures. On those pressures, Penix was 60%, averaging 10 yards per attempt. That's incredible. Can he do that again? Because his season average under pressure is 45%. And so it, it'll be an interesting thing to see if Washington can still play at that super high level against Michigan for the second game in a row. Maybe they can. Certainly they've got the talent to do a lot of things and have a puncher's chance with that passing attack. But I've got to take Michigan as the team that has more fundamental ways to win this game. Okay, hail to the victory. BYU is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It's a Mailbag Monday. You ask the questions, we answer them. Our elite mailbag question today is presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. In this case, I ask you, who do you have winning tonight's national championship game, Michigan or Washington? Look, I know the smart money's on Michigan, but for whatever reason, I just got this feeling that uh, Washington's... West represent... Michael the Penix. end of the Pac-12. Yeah. Michael I, Penix is playing so well right now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go Washington. Tonight. Yes, you dub. Let's go. I like Seattle teams too. Come on now. Our thanks I don't to like today's guest, <laughs> Jimmer Fredette. I'm speaking for myself and Trevor Man. Conversation continues 24/7 on X, Instagram, and Facebook. This and all of our shows on demand on BYUSN.com. You know you love to crack it. Come on, man. <laughs> Sorry to Dennis Spitta. We ran out of time. For Jason, I am Jerem. Shout out to Mike Rose. Go Cougs! Big week in men's hoops, women's hoops, and otherwise. Let's go.